Okay. I think we're all set up now. I apologize <laughs> to everyone for the delay. Um, Omagyana Timinandasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Jakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Vande Shri Krishna Chaitanya Nityananda Sohorito Godai Pushpavanto Chitra Sando Tamarado Vande Ham Shri Ramakrishna Abhaya Charnasago, Sukkaro Paramanando, Sundaro Subalapriyo, Mancha Kapa Tarubhyascha, Kripa Sindhubhyevacha, Patitanam Bhavanevyo, Vaishnavevyo, Namo Namaha. Okay, welcome to everyone. Um, my pronounced all the devotees listening, all those that may listen uh, to the recording. We're continuing our, um, let me just pin my video, there we go. We're continuing our recording, our, our classes on Prahlad Maharaj, um, the, the nature of his simple-hearted devotion as we see uh, displayed in Srimad Bhagavatam. Um, just a slight recap, probably even more slight now because <laughs> I got delayed a little, but my first class was an introduction um, looking at Prahlad Maharaj and his relationship with Krishna. Um, you could see his, at him as a Dasya Bhakta, as a Shanta Bhakta. Different Acharyas have described it slightly differently. Um, I think either way, we can see him as kind of a foundation um, of devotion um, to the higher rasas uh, in Vaikuntha and Braj. He kind of embodies central qualities that um, are not only pertinent to him, but are also uh, pertinent to all the rasas. Uh, of Raj and so forth. So we looked a little bit how we could see Prahlad's quality of simplicity, um, his simple heart devotion. We looked a little bit into how we can see that manifest in the residence of Raj. Um, we also talked a little bit about how it's really important to see these uh, foundational qualities of devotion, um, of sadhana in their highest expression um, and how quality like simplicity um, to see that uh, as a part of the ideal um, will help us identify with that quality um, and also inspire us um, to kind of continually develop it, continually churn that quality um, and see how it may express itself. qualities of Prahlad that really stood out um, as 
embodiments or kind of um, constituents of his simplicity. Uh, and those four qualities were detachment, um, not wasting time, universal compassion, and one-pointed focus. So in this class, um, we're gonna start off with detachment by Ragya, very, very heavy uh, start <laughs> to uh, the simplicity of Prahlad's heart and uh, corresponding devotion. So when I was planning this series, I had a little hesitation um, to talk about uh, detachment, not necessarily because it's heavy, <laughs> or because it's not the fav most favorite topic for devotees, but I thought it was too obvious. Um, I thought it was too obvious that detachment is a constituent of simplicity. And I was thinking, you know, maybe I could find a more special, more unique connection uh, to simplicity, some other kind of quality that may not be as readily um, understood, connected with simplicity um, and contribute something unique in that way. But I, as I was reflecting on that, I was thinking, man, that's really like the exact antithesis of this whole series um, to try to, to make an effort for something special, um, to make an effort for something unique. Um, I think it's a very limiting idea, um, first off, to try to, this need to be unique, special, um, because really if every step every kind of movement we're making has to be unique. It's hard to move. We, <laughs> we're always kind of judging, catching ourselves. Like, is this really special? Is this really worth sharing? Um, is this really worth um, doing this service? Um, is it really gonna be accepted and um, appreciated? Um, and same with, you know, giving class talking. Um, if we feel like we have to contribute something unique, special, um, we're gonna be very hesitant to talk. We're gonna, you know, just let the Mahajans talk <laughs> but because <laughs> they have something unique to share. Um, and even listening, you know, listening to um, advanced devotees. Um, I was talking about this with Gorsunda. Um, who's a devotee here at Anirvan recently, the waiting to hear something unique in a class. Um, you know, listening to Gumaraj or any Acharya that you've listened a lot to and, you know, just kind of waiting, waiting for that new point. <laughs> What's that new point um, that I can add to my, my box of, uh, um, unique insights. Um, so, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a balance, right? Bhakti, of course, is developing. It, it is always growing, always increasing. Uh, but 
we just have, I think, uh, I noticed this in myself when I was preparing this, I, you know, I have to be careful not to try to impose or make effort um, to be unique, to be special. I think if we approach something um, simply, humbly, um, straightforward, um, not trying to find the most creative <laughs> roundabout. Um, I think Krishna will make it special. I think if um, if we're blessed by by Krishna, he'll he'll move us in such a way that when we approach something simply and straightforward, um, then um, he'll make it uh, unique. His bhakti is always fresh, always new. Um, so it comes back to that same idea we were talking about last class um, that Bhaktivala Bhattirtha Maharaj um, mentioned in his introduction on Pralachari. He talked about uh, progress means same thing, new taste. Um, so it's, <laughs> it's really important to hear these, um, these uh, foundational um, straightforward stuff we think we know um, to hear them over and over again and try to um, try to let it go a little deeper each time um, try to allow it to become part of us a little more each time we hear it um, and in that way it naturally will develop will grow uh, through the the beauty, the sweetness, um, the ever dynamic nature of bhakti. Um, so with that in mind, I, I thought, okay, <laughs> we'll go ahead and, and talk about uh, detachment and, and how, it's, um, how it's a really important constituent um, of simple hearted devotion. Um, so detachment, like all these other qualities we're going to explore, uh, not wasting time, universal compassion, um, being one-pointed, focused in one's goal. Uh, these aren't necessarily, you know, connecting to the last idea. They're not necessarily special in and of themselves. Uh, they're mostly just a manifestation of sattva gun. Uh, in general, um, to be detached, to see the nature of things, that things come and go, and to not be too strongly swept up by them, um, to not waste time, to not, <laughs> to not be drawn here and there, but to kind of be uh, focused, to be compassionate, um, and to be focused. These are manifestations of uh, sattva gun. Um, onto themselves, um, but I think it's it's really important. And part of the reason why we're really interested in these qualities in this series of classes is because these qualities are, are no longer sattvic um, when they come in touch with bhakti. Uh, they become expressions of bhakti. They become expressions of, of nirgun bhakti um, in their in their highest um, expression. I mean, just look at the associates of 
Chaitanya Mahaprabhu expressing all these qualities. And they are nityasiddhas, they're composed of srup shakti. So they're not in touch with the gunas. So it can't be an expression of sattva guna when um, uh, Haridas shows humility, when uh, Mahaprabhu shows compassion wanting to deliver the entire world. Um, when, uh, yeah, well, <laughs> I guess connected to that, who showed detachment? Um, who, who out of Mahaprabhu's associates um, was the, the most profound expression of detachment? When we look at the fourth verse of Shikshastakam by Mahaprabhu, um, Nadanam Nagyanam Nasundurim Kavitamba. Um, I don't want wealth. I don't want followers. Uh, I don't want a beautiful partner or uh, artistic poetry, the arts. I'm not. I'm not interested in any of that. When we when we reflect on that verse, um, I think probably the most profound expression of that is Raghunath Das Goswami. Um, Raghunath Das was born in a very, very wealthy family. Um, his parents were extremely aristocratic, very wealthy. Um, he had an extremely beautiful wife. Um, and we see that he, he gave all this up um, through a means to escape through the woods to, to make it to Mahaprabhu. Um, and Mahaprabhu, in, this is in the Antilila of Chaitanya Tritamrita. Um, it describes the um, kind of the life story, the, um, the, yeah, the life and qualities of Raghunath Das Goswami in the, um, the sixth chapter. And in that, um, in that chapter, a very interesting verse uh, is spoken. Um, I guess not spoken, but in the context of Raghunath Das coming to Jagannath Puri, meeting Mahaprabhu, and then kind of successively renouncing more and more, um, specifically in connection to uh, his way of obtaining food, his way of obtaining sustenance. Um, in relation to that, Mahaprabhu, each, each kind of successive step Raghunath Das takes, Mahaprabhu becomes very, very pleased. Um, at first, Raghunath is using his parents' money that they're sending to hold festivals for Mahaprabhu and hold large feasts. And then he feels, I feel a bit compromised by this, um, accepting money. Um, from kind of that family quarter and using that uh, to try to serve Mahaprabhu. So then he goes and um, begs food in front of the Jagannath temple. Um, and then he kind of goes to another section of that that's um, where you just kind of, instead of actually begging, you just kind of sit 
and wait for whatever comes. And then he goes a step farther and just eats the remnants that the temple uh, throws out and leaves for the cows and the animals. So in connection to that, um, Krishna's Kaviraj, this is 6.2.20. He says, Mahaprabhu, Mahaprabhura Bhakta Ganera Vairagya Pradhan Yahadeki Prita Hangora Bhagavan. And the translation is renunciation is the basic principle sustaining the lives of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's devotees. Seeing this renunciation, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, is extremely satisfied. So it's a really interesting verse um, because Vairagya is not even a limb of bhakti. Uh, it's not even an, an anga of the practice of bhakti. Um, it's often considered like a, um, a corollary or a byproduct as one grows in attachment to Krishna. Um, but Raghunath Das Goswami, or sorry, Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami goes as far as to say that it's the principle sustaining the lives of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's associates. Um, so I think this highlights that kind of crux that we're exploring in this class that vairagya detachment unto itself, um, unto itself Krishna's Kaviraj calls it Kaitava Dharma. It's cheating, cheating religion pretty much. Um, so <laughs> it's unto itself, it's, it's useless. Uh, it just makes the heart proud. But in connection with bhakti, um, and in, in this, I, I think of um, Padmanad Swami often uses uh, Rupa Goswami's verse saying that bhakti moves in a crooked way, kind of uh, like a snake. So Padmanad Swami often likes to emphasize that like a snake, it kind of, it picks up everything. Um, going side to side. It doesn't, it doesn't miss anything. It, it takes everything with it and integrates and, and brings it to its highest expression. Um, <clears throat> so I think we can see this in the connection to detachment. And so detachment onto itself is it's kind of a dry thing, um, kind of a, uh, like an effort-based uh, more connected to yoga and jnana. Um, but when we see it kind of being uh, picked up and an expression of bhakti, it, it actually becomes, um, it becomes very sweet. Um, it becomes very beautiful. Um, it's, it's an expression of love. Um, you know, not taking is part of is part of giving, part of love, um, and so when it's expressed in the context of bhakti, uh, it's a very beautiful, uh, very beautiful expression. And that way, we can kind of see it as the pradhan, um, 
the sustaining force. I mean, one way you could talk about detachment is freedom, um, physical and mental and emotional freedom um, or space. It kind of like detachment, you know, as you give up things, it, it provides space um, and environment, uh, freedom. Um, for bhakti to its, express itself. Um, and um, in one way you could kind of see like that idea um, in detachment, providing a space, um, an environment, a freedom, you could kind of connect it to like the Dom in that way. Um, like the platform um, where bhakti can can manifest, um, and in that way you can um, uh, maybe you could pray um, to Baladev uh, as a way to uh, Baladev, please uh, allow me to. Um, cultivate manifest attachment, um, help me to cultivate manifest space freedom in my, um, in my life. Is this rice? Uh, That's me. For sadhana, for, for bhakti to, to manifest. Uh, and in that, in that connection, I wanted to show you my, Give you a, a beautiful darshan of my deity, Baladev. <laughs> uh, I thought it'd be, be nice to bring him into this into this class. Um, so I tried to find a way. <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it. Um, Hopefully it, it was um, in line with, with bhakti teachings. Um, so turning to Prahlad, um, like Raghunath, like Raghunath Das, Prahlad was also born in a, a very wealthy, um, very powerful family. Um, Hiranya Kasipu was pretty much the controller of the three worlds. Um, and he had received these boons from Brahma after performing immense austerity. Um, so he's kind of like, Hiranya Kasipu means like a soft bed or enjoyment. Um, he's kind of like the embodiment of material enjoyment. Uh, so <laughs> Prahlad is, is born into this family. Um, and we come to Narad uh, describing to Yudhisthira the, that in this family of Hiranyakashipu, this, this great devotee named Prahlad is born. Um, and so in connection to um, detachment, this is one of the first verses that you, that, uh, Narad speaks 
um, describing Prahlad. He says, Nodvigya chitto vyasaneshu nishpara shukteshu dhristeshu guneshva avashtudik dantendriya prana sharira di shara prashanta kamo rahita sura sura. And the translation is, although Prahlad Maharaj was born in a family of asuras, he himself was not an asura, but a great devotee of Lord Vishnu. Unlike the other asuras, he was never envious of Vaishnavas. He was not agitated when put into danger, and he was neither directly nor indirectly interested in fruitive activities described in the Vedas. Indeed, he considered everything material to be useless, and therefore he was completely devoid of material desires. He always controlled his senses and life air, and being of steady intelligence and determinations, he subdued all karma or lusty desires. Um, so I think one interesting note in this verse is that, um, and he's, he mentioned this in the same sentence, uh, Nard says, Prahlad was not agitated when put into danger. And he was also neither directly nor indirectly interested in the fruit of activities described in the Vedas. Um, so, of course, we, we know the stories of when Prahlad was put into danger uh, by Hiranyakashipu and his servants trying to, to kill him. Um, but connected, there's also this, this other type of uh, material entanglement or danger um, that Nard speaks of. And he speaks of in um, neither directly nor indirectly was Prahlad interested in the fruitive activities described in the Vedas. Um, indirectly means through hearing about and directly means through uh, seeing, through direct perception of, um, I mean, <laughs> his direct perception would be of Hiranyakashipu who was kind of the embodiment of um, performing tapa, um, this fruit of activity to gain material results. Um, and so he wasn't drawn to kind of in either of these uh, situations. Um, and the fruit of activities, um, they represent kind of, I guess, two different angles. Um, one would be like larger goals in life, more connected to like um, arta or economic development, um, career, money accumulation, familial um, type of development progress um, in those ways. Um, and so Prahlad wasn't interested in that. Um, it reminds me of 
Grumard's talking about when he would sit in the Santa Cruz mountains and he would think about what he could be um, in his life. He could be a police officer, he could be a teacher, um, all these kind of different paths in life he could take to develop himself. And none of them really, they just, <laughs> they didn't have like a real substance to them, he felt. He, he just had a sense that they, they don't endure um, these deeper goals in life that, that the world's pursuing. I could, um, I could pursue them, but it, it really wouldn't um, change me as a person. It really wouldn't um, unto itself develop me. Um, in terms of what I feel life is, is meant to be, um, how I feel the Atma, the, the soul is supposed to progress in life. Um, and so similarly, Prahlad here um, isn't interested in kind of um, that development or um, kind of smaller um, goals, or you could say more relation to like Kama, like quicker pleasures. Um, you know, to taste this, hear that, uh, feel this, feel that, um, kind of these quick um, stimulations. And um, the reason why in this verse, it's described that he wasn't pulled um, towards these things is because uh, it's described Guneshu Avastudik, which means like, um, the objects of these goals, he saw them as insubstantial. Um, he, he didn't feel, um, you know, you, you see them on the surface, um, but he felt that if he actually explored them, if he actually kind of directed himself in that way, um, it wouldn't really satisfy himself. He would be left still a little lacking. Um, and so um, with this vision um, of kind of seeing these things as unsubstantial, um, he, wasn't, he wasn't drawn um, in that direction. And, and the verse goes on to describe because of that, because of this kind of intelligence um, of seeing that I'm not going to find enduring happiness, as Gurmaj often says, in things that don't endure, um, with this just kind of intuition. I mean, it's interesting because uh, Prahlad's a child, so he doesn't have really experience, at least in this life, of attaining these things, these goals, and um, not finding fulfillment in them. It's more just kind of through his own intuition, his own samskars, um, as we'll see for bhakti, that he knows just, it's just part of, um, just when he looks at something, he knows it's not, it's not a full meal. It's not gonna really satisfy him. Um, and because of that intelligence, 
he's described that his his inner world um, uh, is, is kind of um, inner talk, his inner voice. It, um, it described as prashant kamo, um, which I like that. It, it means like kama means material desires and prashant means like quiet. Um, so because he understood the nature of um, the Maya Shakti, he understood the nature of kind of these, um, these facets of the world. Um, his, his, inner, um, his inner desires for them um, were quieted. And um, I think the, the, um, the juxtaposition between loud and quiet <laughs> is pretty significant. Um, I think we all have the experience of when we're being called by a certain desire um, in us. Um, it's, it's very loud. <laughs> it's very like uh, um, overbearing. <laughs> um, and I think the, it's not that it necessarily is just totally disappeared in this case for Prahlad, but it describes how it becomes quieter. Um, so that, that overbearing, that loudness um, of the desire uh, slowly becomes quieter. Um, it, uh, it doesn't have as many arguments. <laughs> you know, in the beginning, it can, can convince us in this way and that way. Um, we may refute it in one way only for it to come through <laughs> another way and then um, convinced us that way. So I, I think in that way, it becomes quiet. It becomes more like singular. Um, we're able to see it more for what it is. It's not as complex, um, uh, confusing and overwhelming. It's, it's kind of clear, this is what it is. This is what it'll give me. And this is what it won't give me. Um, and so when we can see reality, um, of uh, the um, temporal things of this world, when we can see those things in, of what they are, not that they're necessarily bad, they're not sinful. Um, it's not this Christian idea in that sense, and we have to feel guilty and all these things, but just to see things kind of for what they are. Um, and I think when, as one develops that in intelligence, that intuition, um, then those that that karma that kind of thirst for it um, that voice that's very loud becomes quieter um, both in complexity it becomes more singular and in, in volume um, it becomes it becomes kind of quieter um, like, like <laughs> right now here at uh, Maduvan we have uh, a lot of cicadas. So 
<laughs> there's um, these bugs that chuk, chuk, like I can open the window. Uh, and you can hear them, they're quite loud. <laughs> um, <laughs> but in the, in the evening, usually around like six o'clock or so, when the Arctic starts, or kind of through the middle of the Arctic, they quiet down. <laughs> and it's not like they just stop, but it's like a gradual kind of quieting. And there may be like kind of one, <laughs> one last one that they can, <laughs> um, but even that one eventually um, dissipates. So it's this, it's this kind of gradual quieting. It doesn't have the same power um, anymore over us. Um, we can think more clearly. And so when, when this quiets, and this is really important because it's, it's not just about quieting, right? We're not pursuing just the dissolution of karma, of desires, um, as Guru Maharaj talks about, to come to zero, um, moving out of the negative numbers of, of karma, being pulled this way, pulled that way, to come to zero. It's that's part of bhakti, but that's that's just <laughs> that's just kind of the um, the ground on which the positive numbers um, of devotion, of love, of of hearing a new sound, um, hearing new desires, um, and those desires will get <laughs> louder and louder, um, but. Um, and they also over, overwhelm us, but in a very um, 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 a way that's integral to who we are. Um, we we fit as a jiva shakti. We we fit more naturally in srup shakti. Um, we're kind of neither here or there. Um, we're like a spark, and so we can we can be in the smoke of the Maya Shakti or the light, the fire of the Sarup Shakti, and so we kind of find our full potential. Um, we feel, and this is really interesting. I read this recently uh, by C.K. Chesterton. He said humans have this kind of simultaneous desire. They want both to be in a strange, kind of astonishing new place, and also to be at home in a comfortable environment. And we, we want both really at the, at the same time. Um, if, we're, if we just find comfort, it's boring. But if it's just astonished, it's just strange. If it's all new, then it's it's kind of disconcerting. We don't feel like we're part of it. We always feel a little bit like a foreigner. Um, so we, we have this kind of simultaneous desire of wanting something strange, like astonishing, bewildering, but like at home, um, comfortable. And so this is, I think this is a really beautiful way to describe the Sarup Shakti. It's, it's always astonishing new and that so we hear it, the, the noise of, 
of the, the singing of the Srup Shakti becomes louder, but it's more, it feels more at home, um, more in, integral to who we are. Um, so we can um, accept and identify and really become part of it. Um, so because that's, again, because this um, quieting, this quieting of the material desires, this kind of simple, I think quiet really connects strongly with uh, simplicity. Um, like, you know, the mornings, the evenings, these are kind of the quiet times of day when we do sadhana. And, and naturally they're kind of like simpler, uh, simpler times of day, things are moving less. Um, and I think this quieting, this kind of creating a simpler um, inner landscape um, is important um, in the context of bhakti um, because of what it al allows, the beauty. And so in that context, it, it also becomes beautiful. It becomes sweet. Um, but so we, we read how Prahlad was not interested. He was not... Um, uh, pulled in this way for either arta, kind of long-term, bigger goals of life, or shorter goals, um, kind of quick uh, stimulation. Um, those those were quieted, um, and the reason why was because of his absorption in Krishna. So I'll just read the the English of some of the following verses. So this is still Yudhishthir. Um, or sorry, Narada describing to Yudhisthira the qualities of Prahlad. And so he goes on to say, Prahlad Maharaj was always absorbed in thought of Krishna. Thus being always embraced by the Lord, he did not know how his bodily necessities, such as sitting, walking, eating, lying down, drinking, and talking, were being automatically performed. Because of advancement in Krishna consciousness, he sometimes cried, sometimes laughed, sometimes expressed jubilation, and sometimes sang loudly. Sometimes, upon seeing the Supreme Lord, Pallad Maharaj would loudly call in full anxiety. He sometimes lost his shyness in jubilation and began dancing in ecstasy. And sometimes, being fully absorbed in thoughts of Krishna, he felt oneness and imitated the pastimes of the Lord. Sometimes feeling the touch of the Lord's lotus hands, he became spiritually jubilant and remained silent, his hair standing on end and tears gliding down from his half-closed eyes because of his love for the Lord. So these verses just go on to really emphasize. Nard really wants to emphasize this point, um, this detachment um, is, is beautiful in the context of developing a higher attachment. We see this kind of dynamic as attachment to Krishna, um, absorption in Krishna grows, this kind of natural detachment of temporal um, material things um, slackens. And 
And so we see like, I mean, I think there's kind of, in both there's a simplicity, right? There's obviously the simplicity of the um, detachment of Prahlad, just kind of simplifying the mind, simplifying the heart. Um, but I think there's also, as we are kind of talking about in the introduction, there's a simplicity to his direct experience. Um, the mind is no longer uh, functioning in the way it does in relation to uh, material objects. The mind's kind of shutting down for just direct personal experience between him and Krishna. Um, and um, so that's just kind of like Nard describing um, briefly the the qualities of Prahlad. Um, he talks about kind of his inner life a little. Um, Prahlad is a great devotee. He's um, renounced from um, the material desires. And he also, as a result of, in the context of Bhakti, he um, is developing these higher emotions for Krishna. Um, and so we get that introduction and then um, we kind of go more into the narrative um, of Hiranyakashipu and Prahlad's relationship. And um, in, <laughs> In Prahlad's discourses, um, both to Hiranyakashipu, to Hiranyakashipu's servants, and to his classmates, um, Prahlad is quite heavy. <laughs> um, uh, um, even for a small child, he's quite heavy on family life, household, career. <laughs> he had some very, uh, very heavy things to say about all that. Um, in one sense, you could say it's it's understandable. Um, he didn't have the happiest family. <laughs> um, no, I'm just kidding. But um, I think it's mostly connected to when he's heavy. It's it's mostly in connection to time and the use of one's time um, and how kind of sacred time is and and how to use it uh, properly and not, and not let it go to waste. Um, and we're really gonna dive into that uh, subject next week. Um, next week, we'll be talking about Prahlad and how um, he doesn't waste time in his service to Krishna, how he use, utilizes all moments um, in his service. So I won't go too much into that topic today, but I will, um, I'll just read the first verse of, so this is the first thing that Prahlad says in the seventh canto. And um, it's when Hiranyakashipu, um, Prahlad's been going to school and so Hiranyakashipu takes him on his lap and says, what have you learned at school? This is the first time. He asks him a couple of times. Um, 
So what, what have your teachers been teaching you? And so in answer, the first thing Pallad says is, tat sadhu manye suravarya dehinam sara samudvigya diyam asagraha hitvatma patam griham andar kupam panam gato ya darim ashraita. Um, and so Prahlad says, O best of the Asuras, king of the demons, as far as I've learned from my spiritual master, any person who has accepted a temporary body and household life is certainly full of anxiety because of having fallen in a dark well where there is no water but only suffering. One should give up this position and go to the forest. Um, and Prabhupada says, more clearly, when referring to the forest, one should go to Vrindavan, where only Krishna consciousness is prevalent and should thus take shelter of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Um, so I think this idea of samudvigya, full of anxieties, um, is other than um, the kind of um, time factor, which we'll go into next week. I think the anxiety um, of seeking um, material uh, goals, material objects of pleasure is, is one thing that Prahlad really emphasizes. And in terms of like simplicity, if we're kind of connecting to the, the idea of this series, I mean, I can't think of anything less like simplicity than anxiety. <laughs> if, for anyone who's ever experienced anxiety, it's, it's like the most complex um, thing you could ever, you just can't make sense of it. Um, even the simplest little things, um, simplest little tasks and chores become almost impossible. Um, and so it really, anxiety, has this ability to take um, the sim simplicity, um, the space, the freedom that's there and kind of just clutter it. Clutter it with noise, clutter it with kind of a, a heavy um, um, a heavy cloud. Um, and very disconcerting, very moving. Um, Hard to think, hard to think clearly. Um, and so Prahlad's just kind of stating the fact here um, that the nature of the world, I mean, the nature of the jiva, in the sense that the jiva is eternal. So the nature of the jiva's experience in relation to things that aren't eternal, the jiva is also fully knowledgeable, fully conscious in relation to things that aren't conscious. The jiva is full of bliss, full of ananda. So in relation to things that inherently are, are not blissful. Naturally, this is kind of a recipe for anxiety um, because anxiety is when we, we won't, we don't, we're not receiving the, the goal, the satisfaction that we're seeking. So we become anxious. Um, 
what can I do? What can I do? What can I fix? What can I, what can I change? What can I hold to keep it, keep it all going? Um, and so I think um, to see kind of that picture, Prahlad's sharing that, um, um, just, yeah, that one should be very conscious of um, those things that are creating anxiety in, um, in one's life because anxiety can make sadhana, anxiety can make bhakti. Um, it can take away, I mean, bhakti is a very, very simple, very simple, direct kind of experiential practice. And so anxiety, these things can make it all very, com a relationship to things, anything, it can make it very complex. Um, so um, Prahlad's just cautioning, I think, um, to try to create as much as possible as a simple space, um, a simple environment, um, a simple heart, so that um, we can develop, connect, deepen in bhakti. And I think this is, we see the kind of one, one quality that really strikes me in Prahlad is his fearlessness. And um, I think, you know, fearlessness is sometimes understood to be like strong, powerful, like these kind of very masculine dominant qualities. But um, I think fearlessness can also just be like uh, simplicity. I think when you simply approach something um, and not kind of thrown off um, by all the mental anxieties of, of this and that, um, I think one can approach things um, in a more fearless, um, a more fearless way. And um, I think again, connecting back to like detachment, what is detachment? Um, detachment is kind of the ability to create free time or free space. And so I think one way we can reflect and, um, and kind of um, judge what our, um, how much, <laughs> how much we need, how much we can give up all these types of things is to assess what we do with our free time. Um, when we have, uh, free time, when we're, when we're able to make more free time and space in our lives by, you know, maybe, giving up a little here, giving up a little there. What, what do we do with that free time um, and that space? And I'd say reflecting on that can be really helpful for, for one, um, you know, because of course the Bhagavatam can be really heavy um, with all these aspects of detachment 
and the necessity to give up this, give up that, and not be entangled in all these things. But there's also a lot of warnings too in the Bhagavatam about um, uh, premature detachment and kind of giving up beyond one's ability. And actually Prahlad even mentions that um, this is when he's talking to Ranyakashipu. He says, um, there are 10 prescribed methods on the path of liberation to remain silent, not to speak to anyone, to observe vows, to amass all kinds of Vedic knowledge, to undergo austerities, to study the Vedas and other Vedic literatures, to execute the duties of Varnasham Dharma, to explain the Shastras, to stay in a solitary place, to chant mantras silently, and to be absorbed in trance. So these are kind of like methods that are more connected to detachment. Um, you know, in the context of Bhakti, he said, these methods for liberation are generally only a professional practice and means of live, livelihood for those who have not conquered their senses. Because such persons are falsely proud, these procedures may not be successful. So again, we have both sides. You know, Prahlad talks about the, um, the um, pitfalls, the traps, of kind of pursuing material goals um, beyond what one needs. And then also the pitfalls of giving up, um, detaching oneself from material necessities beyond <laughs> what one needs. And um, one word that really uh, I think is nice that describes devotees, it, it calls them uh, satam. It's one way to denote a devotee. It means truthful. A devotee is very truthful. And I think in relation to this aspect of what one needs, what one can give up, what one can't give up um, at this time, I think that takes a lot of inner truthfulness, inner self-honesty and you know, to take a step, kind of create that space um, in one's life, create, um, you know, physical, mental, and emotional space. That's what detachment does. It, it creates all these, um, you know, you create a physical space by not engaging in the activity. You can create an emotional or a mental space by not thinking about, um, and so I think it's easy, obviously it's easier to create the physical space um, you know, you can give up something on a physical platform, but whether we can further create that mental and emotional space, I think that is really something that is worth reflecting on um, and um, kind of a continual ongoing reflection, uh, taking a step, seeing how it goes. Um, yeah, just being very wise, um, very conscious of how we're engaging in things and, and what we're doing. Um, and kind of in a way so that we can create as much simplicity as possible um, in our life, in our mind, in our heart, in our emotional state. Um, 
we can kind of step back as, as much as possible. We should really be honest, like I said, but as much as we can step back, we create this kind of inner landscape, outer landscape of simplicity, which will be really conducive um, for, um, for bhakti, for devotion, um, for sangha, for all these kind of higher things to, um, uh, to manifest in us. And um, so, yeah, we see Prahlad as a, a beautiful example of that. And um, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully through this class, we kind of can maybe start to conceptualize um, vairagya, detachment in the context of bhakti. Maybe start to conceptualize it as a, a sweeter aspect um, in the context of bhakti, uh, because what it affords, what it allows, um, how it allows one to give that much more of themselves to Krishna and, and how beautiful that is um, when one can give any little bit more of themselves to Krishna. Um, that's beautiful. So to see Vairagya in that light um, and um, so yeah, I think that's it for today. I think next class will kind of continue naturally progress from here into time, how to use one's time. What's, what's it mean to waste one time, waste one's time? What's it mean to not waste one's time? Um, what's it mean to stay busy? <laughs> what's the use of all these things in the context of devotion and in relation to um, detachment and attachment to Krishna and, and um, yeah, how to ultimately use all these facets to, to create a simple, um, a simple heart for her bhakti and love to, to manifest. So I think that's all I have for today. Um, on Prahlad's detachment and his love for corresponding love for, for Krishna. Um, so thank you all for, for listening. I hope, <laughs> I hope I um, wasn't too all over the place for you. My, <laughs> you should see my notes. My notes are very unsimple, <laughs> very hard to follow, but, but hopefully it made sense. So if you guys have any questions or thoughts um, anything you'd like to share, uh, I'll happily accept anything now. Thank you. Thank you. Um, okay. Well, I think that's all for today. So my pronouns to all devotees listening and Hope you have a, a beautiful weekend. <laughs> Jai Prahlad. Haribo. Suman Kishwa Krishna Prabhu ki Jai. Jai. Panchakapatarubi is chakrupasangabhi evacha. Patitinam bhavanebhi or vaishnavi bhavanebhi.